Welcome to the listener's commentary on the New Testament. Your guide is pastor and theologian Dr. John Whitaker, and the heart behind these studies is to help you better understand the text of Scripture so you can more fully live it out. It's all about helping you learn and live the Bible. All right, welcome to the listener's commentary on the Gospels. The listener's commentary provides down-to-earth Bible teaching so that you can learn the Bible for yourself and live it out in your everyday life. And there are people all over, not just the United States, but all around the world, using the listener's commentary to study the Bible for themselves so that they can follow Jesus more fully and more effectively. One listener said, this is the Bible study resource I have been looking for. Another said, this has breathed fresh life into my personal Bible reading and Bible study. There's people in uh, Canada and the UK and Indonesia and Portugal and all over the world using the listener's commentary. And that's made possible by the generous support of people just like you. So thank you to those of you who uh, donate and support the ministry of the listener's commentary. And if you want to support uh, the listener's commentary, you could do so at listenerscommentary.com slash give. Listenerscommentary.com slash give. I'll put a link to that in the notes below. And you can join the team of supporters who make this resource available so that people can learn and live the Bible and follow Jesus more fully in their life. In this session, we want to provide an initial introduction to the Gospels. Before we open up the Gospels of the New Testament, we really need to understand what a Gospel is so that we know what we're reading when we read one, right? And not only that, we're going to look eventually at the background and the world of the Gospel. We really need to have our hands on uh, really the original context of Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, the four Gospels, so that we can understand them the way the original authors intended them to be understood. And so specifically in this session, we want to look at what is a Gospel. What is a Gospel? The New Testament begins with four books designated as Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And these four books tell the story of Jesus. Matthew, Mark, and Luke tell the story in a very similar fashion. And thus, they are often called synoptic gospels. Synoptic. And you can hear the word optic in there to see. And syn, S-Y-N there, uh, comes from the Greek word with. And so the idea is that they see with. They see the story the same way. Matthew, Mark, and Luke tell the story of Jesus very similarly, and thus they're synoptic gospels. John has a different approach to telling the story of Jesus, so it reads very different. But these four books are all Gospels, and that raises the question, what's a gospel? And they're like biographies of Jesus, but they're not complete biographies of Jesus. In fact, only Matthew and Luke say anything about Jesus' birth. Only Luke says anything about Jesus' childhood, and even then it's just one little snapshot in Luke chapter 2. And in all four of the Gospels, a large part of them focuses on the final week, the week leading up to Jesus' crucifixion and resurrection. In fact, one scholar actually referred to the Gospels as like passion narratives, the passion week being the final week of Jesus, passion narratives with an extended introduction, because a full third, sometimes almost a half of the Gospels really focus on that final week of Jesus. And so they aren't biographies that intend to give a full presentation of Jesus' life. 
Rather, they are biographies that declare a message about Jesus, a message that they want you and me to believe. In fact, John, in his gospel, he makes this explicit. John says in John 20, verse 30 and 31, John writes, Jesus performed many other signs in the presence of his disciples, which are not recorded in this book. But these are written, here's his purpose, so that you may believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in his name. That's why John wrote his gospel, and that's really true with all of the gospels. Uh, they declare a message about Jesus that they want you to believe. Each gospel has a slightly different emphasis, but they are proclaiming a message about Jesus. In Matthew, that message is that Jesus is the promised Messiah, the fulfillment of long-awaited Jewish hopes. In Mark, he's the suffering master. In Luke, he's the savior of all people. In John's gospel, he's the divine son of God and the giver of life. This intent, this message and purpose that they want you to believe is actually why they're called gospels. The word gospel means good news. Originally, it wasn't a particularly religious word, just the ordinary word for good news. In fact, Cicero, writing in Latin but using the Greek word for gospel, speaking in a letter basically just says, look, here's some good news. And then he says, Valerius has been acquitted with Hortentius as his advocate. That's good news. And more significantly is the way Caesar Augustus's birthday was described as good news of a savior. A famous statement about that, but let me just read you part of that. Caesar is described as a savior both for us and for our descendants, that he might end war and arrange all things. All right, so Caesar's a savior. He's going to bring peace to the realm. He's going to end war. He's going to set everything in order. And then in this writing about Caesar Augustus, it says that uh, since the birthday of the god Augustus, so he's described as a god, so since the birthday of the god Augustus was the beginning of the good news for the world that came by reason of him that he brought into the world. And so Caesar is described as a savior uh, who brought good news, or his birthday is good news because of all the good things that Caesar's brought. That's the way the word was used in the ancient world. It was just the word for good news. Well, because the four Gospels proclaim a message about Jesus, and they intend for you to see Jesus in light of how they perceive him as uh, the fulfillment of long-awaited hopes, as the Savior of the world, as the suffering master, as the bringer of life, they are good news. And so the four Gospels must be thought of as news stories of a good kind. This ought to remind us that the gospel itself is news. So often we speak of the gospel, telling the gospel, sharing the gospel. We speak of that as almost like a plan of salvation. That's not what the gospel is. The gospel is news, specifically news about Jesus, about who he is and what he is accomplished. And to share the gospels, thus to share 
the news about Jesus, the Messiah and the Savior, the Messiah and the Rescuer, the Messiah and the Restorer of all things. That's what Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John do. They tell the news about Jesus in as compelling of a way as they know how. They intend to demonstrate that Jesus is the Messiah and the Deliverer by what he says and by what he does. Additionally, because of who Jesus is, they intend to call their readers to become his disciples and to pledge their allegiance to him. Since he's the Messiah and since he's the Lord, then you need to listen to him and you need to become his disciples. That's how the Gospels function. So the Gospels are news story declaring a message about Jesus, that he is the Savior of all the world and the Lord over heaven and earth, and they are thus presenting him to you and to I and to the whole world in that light so that we would put our faith in him and follow him with our life. That's, in short, what the Gospels are. Now, when you're reading the Gospels, there are two components of study that we need to make sure we keep in mind the whole time we're reading them so that we understand how they function and so we can hear them well. The first component we need to pay attention to is the historical component. This is the what happened component. Here we're focused on the original setting of Jesus and the original events themselves, and we're wrestling with what happened, who are the original characters, who are the original participants in the story, what was Jesus saying to them. And so as we read the Gospels, we want to look at who the Pharisees are, who the Sadducees are, what was their view about the people, the ordinary people of the day, who are the tax collectors. We need to understand these people. We need to know what it was like to live then. We need to understand Jesus in his Jewish and rabbinic context and what he's saying in that context so that we can hear him well. This is the historical component. Digging into the world of Jesus, the setting of his life, the details of the events themselves so that we can hear it well. What happened? That's the historical component. The second component we need to always make sure we pay attention to is the literary component. The literary component is the why did the author tell us what happened component. In other words, why did Luke include this story? Or why did Matthew include this story? Why did Mark put this story at this point in the story? This is the literary component, and it seeks to understand how the author put together his news report about Jesus and what message he's intending to communicate by arranging his news report that way. So, for example, Matthew includes five large teaching blocks of Jesus. Why is that? What message is Matthew intending to communicate by arranging his gospel around five large teaching blocks? We have to understand that. And then when we look at that in terms of the whole uh, theology of the Bible and in its older testament, the Hebrew Bible, we realize, well, there are five books of the Hebrew law. Matthew's trying to present Jesus as the Jewish Messiah, the one who is the fulfillment of everything they look forward to. That makes sense. Jesus is the, the fulfillment of Moses, and he is the new lawgiver that is going to form a newly constituted people in and around him and his teaching. 
That's how Matthew arranges his book. So we have to look at the literary component, not just what happened, but how did the author put together his story and why did he put it together that way? Again, Luke, for example, is the only gospel uh, to tell the parable of the prodigal son. And he's the only gospel to tell the parable of the good Samaritan. Why? How do they fit into the overall narrative, the overall structure of Luke's gospel and the overall purpose of that gospel? Well, Luke wants to show that Jesus is the Savior of all mankind. And so Luke has far more interest in uh, women, children, foreigners than uh, the other gospels do. That's why it works that way, right? So as you read the Gospels, you need to always be doing work on both components. What happened? And why is the author telling me what happened the way that he's telling me? And that will help you understand the Gospels a whole lot more. So knowing what a Gospel is and how a Gospel functions, the two components, will actually enable us to understand each Gospel more fully and more accurately, and that will enable us then to respond rightly to what the Gospels are communicating.